together with American songwriter, my brother-in-law, Sean Olbs of the Eiffels, was able to talk to Elijah Knoll, a.k.a. American Teeth, over Zoom video. American Teeth talked about where he grew up and how he got into music, collaborating with producer Colin Britton, who has worked with uh, bands like A Day to Remember and All Time Low, and he also talks about his brand new song featuring Twin XL called Barred Out. You can watch the interview with American Teeth and my brother-in-law, Sean Olbs of the Eiffels, on our Facebook page and YouTube channel, at Bringing It Backwards, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with American Teeth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have Elijah Knoll of American Teeth here today. What's going on, brother? Hello. So where are you? Uh, you hanging out in L.A. right now? Yes, I'm in L.A. Nice. I'm in uh, Los Angeles myself. I'm uh, actually staying at a hotel today in downtown because uh, some repairs at home today. So um, so if this isn't, you know, a cool looking um living room and back behind it's this pretty is, cool this though. is a hotel room i know the the walls actually look like they have like some texture on them but they, mm -hmm. they look a lot cooler in the camera than they actually do <laughs> <laughs> your room looks pretty vibey too my friend you got some cool green lights going on matching the hair there thank you thank you yep i think green's my favorite color so i think i think that's a nice aura to have around you uh, all day yeah, it's been my my recent aura. My it was my favorite color when I was a kid, and then I switched to blue, and then yeah. it, and now I think I'm back to green again. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I, it's always weird though choosing like a like a solid color for a room though, because I'm always like this will be my vibe then whenever I'm in the room. But green's probably one of the best colors to to vibe with, I think so. <laughs> yeah, my wall is dark green. I don't know if you can tell because it's dark in here, but my actual wall is painted dark green too. And that was something that I did during, at the beginning of quarantine and all that back in the summer. So I don't know, I think I, that was way before the hair. Yeah, yeah. Well, it probably influenced the hair. See, you're you're in this all green room, and now it's like you know, it's seeping in and seeping subconscious. Into my, yeah. <laughs> my whole being. Yeah. So, so tell us, man, because uh, you're on Fearless Records, you've been releasing all these uh, successful tracks lately. But I'd love to just, if we could take it back and let us know how you got into music to, uh, to begin with. You do you have some first memories of when you kind of felt like you were into music or wanted to pursue music? Yeah, I started playing the classical violin when I was two years old. Actually, yeah, two and oh. a half years old. Wow! So I got into it super early. Um, by way of my mom kind of getting me into it and stuck with the violin for a while until I was about 15. And that was a whole, you know, that was a whole process. I kind of hit a point when I was 14 where my teacher asked me if I was ready to start um, practicing to basically audition for Juilliard. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Um, at that point, I just didn't think that was going to be my path, and I didn't think it was very cool. Mm. I mean, you must have been uh, fairly decent, to say the least, if you were playing, you know, if she literally put a violin in your hand since you were two. Um, it, it was, that, was that a musical taste kind of thing? Like, you know, I, you weren't looking to play that, you know, formal style music. You're maybe into more kind of like the rock pop lane that, that, that you're kind of, uh, you know, you know, hanging out in right now? Yeah, I think I had some type of instinct that I wanted to make pop music because I always loved 
pop music in general. Sure. Um, and so as m much as I appreciate my upbringing playing violin and attribute that to my ability to hear melody and, and uh, even sing and everything really, um, it just didn't really fit what I felt at the, at the time. And, and, and I'm glad that I made that choice to kind of switch into learning the guitar and getting into, you know, songwriting and all of that singing. Yeah. I mean, your musical foundation, uh, like I said, must've been really solid starting to play at such a young age. So because of that solid foundation, was it pretty, was it probably a lot quicker for you to pick up a guitar than maybe the average teenager, or, you know, person in their early twenties or something like that? Yeah. I'm sure that I had some type of heads up there because yeah. of, you know, just having heard in, regurgitated music for so long yeah know? so tell so was that like around like like late teens like you, you know you're getting ready to graduate high school where you kind of you're you kind of made that decisive action of I'm, I'm gonna pursue pop music rather than you know go to Juilliard that was when I was that was just a little bit before high school so yeah late middle school Mm, okay. Late middle school then. Yeah. They really get you into that uh, Juilliard program early yeah. if, you're if you're serious about it and all that. So, right. Right. So in high school, were you then, were you then linking up with like buddies and, and, and starting to play kind of more pop orientated music? Definitely. Yeah. I was, um, I was going to a lot of local scene shows and I was going to friends parties and playing Green Day covers on the drums and like nice. trying to sing and play the drums at the same time. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, getting into all of that. And um, also was really into a lot of singer songwriter stuff around that time, like John Mayer and Jack Johnson and all that, you know, that type of thing. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so I was, I was definitely really getting into just wanting to cover songs that I liked because I wanted to learn the guitar that way. So, you know, I would look up tabs online and things like that. And that's kind of how I got into singing and playing the guitar at the same time. I started, I started guitar lessons, you know, probably when I was 15 or so and stuck with that for maybe a year but i had trouble focusing on actually like practicing the exercises and i just didn't feel excited about that sure i always found myself just doing the part of the lessons where i could learn a song that i wanted to sing and play with right right um and 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 the more technical stuff was just not doing much for me but yeah you know I'm sure I could benefit now from some of that technical stuff. And I definitely went in and out over the years of jumping into the technical stuff a little bit, but that was never, and really still isn't my priority with guitar. It's more a vehicle, um, a way to complement my singing more than anything. Right. Right. So, so do you consider yourself more of a songwriter? Do you think than uh, more than anything else? I would say, yeah. Singer, first songwriter second mm, okay there you go everything so, else grouped in this right everything else jack of all trades i tried of, yeah <laughs> well that's cool i mean 
playing some Green Day, it's funny to how were you how was that received by your parents? Uh, you know, you're playing the violin one day, you're like a nice middle school kid or elementary school kid playing violin, and then and then you're playing like Green Day songs on the drums <laughs> while uh, you know, singing American Idiot or something. Uh was did they think it was cool? Or were they like, Yeah, do whatever makes you happy? Or or were they kind of like, Oh, I wish you, you know, were they a little bummed that you kind of uh, you know, went a different direction? They were definitely supportive. And and um, I know like my mom, I think about it now because I was definitely, I would just go down to the basement and they bought me a drum set. So I had a drum set down there and I would just like turn on the strobe light, turn on the fog machine, crank up the radio and then just like play as loud as I could to it for like hours at a time. And it was like an unfinished basement. So it was just concrete. It wasn't like furnished and, and absorbing any type of sound. So yeah. the whole house is probably just screaming loud. Uh huh. And I never really, they never really gave me shit for that. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. My mom was pretty cool about it. I think she, from the beginning was supportive of me doing music. So, you know, I'm lucky that, that I had that situation. Totally. Yeah. That's great. So, so tell us a little bit about how you went from, you know, doing a lot of cover songs to uh, learning to kind of put out your own stuff. When I was a senior in high school, I was introduced to uh, somebody who was, he was probably in his four, early 40s or so, but he was, he had a recording studio and uh, was a talented songwriter and had a lot of connections with a bunch of other musicians in the area. Um, and so I got linked up with him and we started working on some songs that I had just been kind of penning by myself on the guitar. And I did experiment a little bit with um, one of those older tape machines, those would, you know, you, where you would like record four, to the- Like a 4-8-track or whatever? Or the 8-track, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mine might have even been a 4-track. It was probably, yeah. it was an 8-track, I think. It was yeah. like- you know, with the little mixer. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, so I, I had done a little bit of that on my own, just experimented with that. I had also downloaded some, you know, I want to say, was it Audacity or something? Is that the yeah? Is that the program? Audacity? Yeah, free program called Audacity, if anyone wants to download <laughs> it for free. <laughs> yeah, I think I downloaded that at some point and I was messing with that and I was trying to like record my drums. But anyways, I got connected with this, uh, with this guy, Tom Acousti, and he really, uh, helped me realize and, and helped me learn like what went into actually making a record. So, um, I think, I think we were also paying him to teach me that, which was well worth it. But um, he was really helpful in just kind of showing me the ropes and showing me what, yeah, went into producing a song. So I ended up putting out my first um, recorded single, like officially on iTunes uh, when I was, I want to say 17 or 18. And that's kind of what got it all started and what gave me the confidence to continue, continue to do that and really felt like, oh, this is what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, you had a good start there because you're only 17. You've created a track. You're, you've already figured out how to get it, you know, into the digital platforms. Um, so how did it go with that first track? Was uh, did you did you find success? Did it find an audience right away or or did you then have to learn a little bit more about marketing and, and, and actually getting people to listen to your music? 
my friends loved it. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, I was, I think I had like, yeah, I definitely put that on MySpace. Uh-huh. It was on pure volume, if you remember that. I, I do remember pure <laughs> volume, man. Yeah, of course, MySpace. Yeah. It never like blew. I, I didn't have one of those uh, early success stories of having my song blow up big time on MySpace, but I definitely uh-huh. hoped to. <laughs> right, right. But uh, no, yeah, I had it. I had it pretty much everywhere I could. I could get it at the time, and it was on iTunes. So I was like, oh wow, I'm actually selling my music outside of just passing CDs out to friends and stuff like that. Yeah, Bur- you know, burned CDs and all that. And I actually got. Um, I want to say, you know what? I made an EP shortly after that first song came out with the same guy. Yeah, it was a full EP and made and printed actual CDs for that physical copies. So, yeah, that kind of that kind of got me into the the next stage. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool that you you got that figured out early too. I feel like it's 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 more common knowledge now to because the the distributors have made it um, a lot more user friendly for people to to put out their own music. But uh, but however many years ago when 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 pure volume was still rocking and and MySpace was uh, it was a little bit uh, it was a little bit like it was it was a little bit more exclusive to have your music on iTunes and 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 kind of some of the digital streamers. So so that's cool. You got it figured out. You start pressing CD. Uh, so, so tell us a little bit about how you developed from, you know, that first, um, that first go, um, that first EP that you pressed, uh, to, uh, to where you're at now, you know, with, with these, these great songs, you, you, uh, fearless records found you, or you found them. Tell us a little bit about, uh, from there to, to there. Yeah. Um, I moved to Chicago after I left my hometown in Maine, Portland, Maine, and went to school in in Chicago and downtown Chicago. So I met a bunch of other musicians and um, songwriters and other artists, creatives, and really got kind of plugged into that network in downtown Chicago, which was really great for me. And then I started playing I went back to the cover songs on the side as well to make money. Mm. I would I would go out on the street and play in the subways and on the street. Um, and then there were some sandwich shops that would hire me during lunch rush to to play music. So I really I really was like on my on my cover grind again. Yeah. Were you, would you actually make like like decent money? It, it's called busing, right? When you're when you're yeah, out, yeah, busking, yeah, yeah, busking. Like, uh, would you make some like decent cash, like uh, doing it? Definitely, yeah. Because yeah. I, I I interviewed uh, G Love from G Love and Special Sauce. Um, I, th- I think it was him. Um, some some months ago, and and he was telling me he did that and used to make like decent money doing it. And it's like. That's such a that's such a great thing for like a young musician to just be able to take a guitar out onto the street and like come back with some some money. Yeah, and it was good practice too for yeah. performing, for interacting with strangers, yeah. for actually just technically singing and playing the guitar and learning songs and having those soak in and yeah, that was I'm grateful for that for that period of time and at the same time I was studying music and music business and stuff at school. And so that was kind of cool to have both sides be, you know, the, the just being out in real life 
just putting myself out there and seeing what happened. Then I had the I had YouTube kind of popping for a little while at the same time, and then I was in school, like kind of like technically studying stuff too. So it was interesting. I was kind of hitting it from all sides at that time. Yeah, you had the the theoretical, the practical, and the digital all at the exactly. same time. <laughs> How, yep. So when you, when you said you had uh, YouTube pop in a little bit, does that mean you were putting up some of these covers that you were playing and, and getting a little bit of traction on some of those videos that you were throwing up? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had a nice little run on YouTube in the early YouTube days before right. it got very oversaturated. Um, yeah, it was cool. It was like when I was when it was like really working for me, I, I felt like it was like a very organic thing. It felt like less algorithmic and stuff, which was cool. So. That was like a, a cool time for the internet, for me yeah. on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I with just spoke music. with a, another artist a couple of days ago and she's, uh, she's since, you know, has millions and millions of streams now, but she's a, a famous violinist uh, who was also talking about the early days of YouTube and how, you know, it was just, you know, if you could kind of catch the wave back then, uh, you know, you could really ride it. Um, it's just like, like TikTok now. Exactly. Yeah. I was about to say, like, just some of these newer platforms that, that pop up, you know, if you could catch the wave at the right time. Yeah. So that was that was a cool that was a cool time with YouTube and all that and then um, yeah and I stuck around in Chicago for a little while and continued to um, I was playing like shows of my original music as well because I was writing and collaborating a lot with um, with other artists and producers in that area and like in my sphere and making pop music and so that was really fun playing events and playing shows at a lot of the local venues like Shuba's and Lincoln Hall and, um, you know, uh, Double Door, Subterranean, those types of venues. So yeah, kind of hit all of those, uh, all of those venues and the whole scene out there. Did, was there a reason you chose Chicago? I love Chicago. A lot of my family's from Chicago. Um, uh, was, you know, coming from, uh, from Portland, Maine, was there a reason Chicago, was it kind of, was, was it, was LA maybe too far for you or, and New York too close? So you're like, this is, you know, the biggest city, which is kind of far and away enough, or was there something in particular about it you like? Um, yeah, for me, it was kind of between New York or Chicago and I couldn't afford to live in New York at the time. Mm, okay. And couldn't afford to go to school there, unfortunately at the time. So right. I, but I, I saw the uh, the school in Chicago and it kind of grabbed my eye and it looked like it was like it was going to be a good fit. And I'd never been to Chicago and I knew I had one cousin there. So I went and visited him. And I one day I remember it was like the day you like go to check out the school. And I just like had flown out there by myself. And I was like, I'm just going to go take the train in, you know, downtown and just figure my way around town and just like see what if I like the city and yeah. it just felt welcoming. It was good to like, if I was going to a big city that wasn't going to be, be New York, it still felt like a big city, but it had that like Midwestern attitude, which I wasn't really familiar with, but I knew felt like good. So mm. it was cool. And it was an art school that I went to. So I was like, I just looked around and I was like, everyone here seems like, you know, the type of person I want to spend time with. So yeah. <laughs> I'm cool to be here, you know? Yeah. That's kind totally. of nice ended up there totally so you're playing around town um you're you're covering all bases like we said <laughs> and uh so tell us a little bit about how you went from there to um to catching the eye of uh of fearless records 
Yeah, so I moved out to LA um, about, yeah, four or five years ago at this point. Um, and I was out here doing a bunch of different things. One of them was I, I guitar teched on uh, actually Dreamers tour when I first moved out here. So oh, I went okay. on tour with them as their guitar tech because I was friends with them. And that was kind of a fun, just a fun like tour experience. And yeah, did that. Um, my friend uh, Colin was in a band called the Mowgli's at the time, and he took me on tour with them um, out here. And yeah, started just writing with a bunch of other artists and um, doing my own stuff on the side. And I eventually got linked up through a writing session with Colin Britton, who I now make music for American Teeth with. Yeah. And when we started working, it, we kind of just hit it off and it, it made a lot of sense. We, we realized that it was just easy for us to create together and we had this kind of sound that was exciting to both of us. So we took a couple months and just wrote songs for, you know, just just wrote as much as we could. And that was, uh, I think 2018, might have been 2000, yeah, 2000, yeah, 2000. Couple, no, that was 2019, that was 2019 for sure. A Couple years ago, yeah. Yep, cause that was 2019 and then, yeah, we had been, kind of going to different labels and talking to a couple different labels and fearless was one of them and they heard everything we were doing and were really stoked on it um and then ended up going on tour to open for dreamers that fall nice Put out a couple singles around that time and then yeah at, by the end of the year things were kind of slowing down and yeah we were talking to fearless and a bunch of other a couple other record labels and then the pandemic hit and fearless swooped in and was like hey we're, we're gonna we'll sign you to a record deal if if you're down and i was like at the beginning of a pandemic yeah for sure <laughs> hell yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mean uh, working with someone like colin he's worked with uh you know produced for all time low and a day to remember so you know some of the labels must have at least you know combined with your songs must have been saying hey you know obviously they they know it works you know right and, yeah uh, and it's cool that you were just you know a guitar tech for dreamers um it goes to show you know you do one thing and it can lead to, a lot, to other things down the road yeah 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 i'm a firm believer that you know any experience can lead to what you're going to you know it's not always just like the clear the clear path you know what you think is going to be that gets you to the next step or gets you, you know, into the touring thing, whatever it is for you. For sure. So speaking of dreamers, you guitar tech, then go on tour. And then you recently just dropped a, a single with them called Still Not Dead, right? That's right. So then it led to a collaboration as well. So very cool with uh, with dreamers and uh, West period. Mm -hmm. uh, very cool song and actually just by it's funny I, I i saw an ad for that song a few maybe a couple months ago and i remember it because uh i was listening to it again um just you know getting ready getting getting in mode for our interview and i uh, i noticed the art because the art was really cool um kind of the gif you guys had 
you were using to promote it with kind of the skulls. I really liked that. So I, I remembered it um, when I when I listened to it again. So so you guys are doing the right things. You're in my algorithm, apparently. <laughs> Amazing. That's, that's what I like to hear. Yeah. And then uh, and you've had a, a big hit uh, with uh, Twin XL, Barred Out. Uh, very cool video, cool song. Um, so you. you've been dropping, uh, you know, pandemic or not, you've been dropping some tunes, huh? Yeah, that's what's got me through all this, honestly. Yeah. Well, and I uh, and we're gonna make sure that this comes out right around the time uh, when you'll be dropping uh, your new track, one of those days, uh, coming out at the end of February. Here, uh, you want to tell us a little bit about that and what to expect? Yeah, I'm stoked for that one. Um, yeah, that song is essentially just about waking up and having a terrible day. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. it was just you know um, those days exactly. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that was that was one that was written, you know, o- over this past year during the pandemic, and it was a session with myself, Colin, and then another writer was on Zoom. Um, so yeah, it was uh, yeah, it kind of came together pretty quickly, actually. This one. How was that? Uh, you know, ha- you know, hanging out with one guy and having another guy like come in via zoom writing um did, did i mean obviously you made it work and and it, and it sounds like you're stoked on the song um was it tell us a little bit of how how that's different and and how you made it work and i mean is, is this something you're like hey i should do this more often even after the pandemic sure yeah i i'm, I'm writing for a lot of other artists as well so i do i'm pretty acclimated with zoom sessions mm-hmm. um I don't prefer to do them, especially for American Teeth. For my artist project, I'd prefer to be in the room with Colin um, because we just work best that way. Right. Um, in this situation, I was in Colin's studio and, and the other writer was was on Zoom. But for me, it, yeah, it's it's it works sometimes and it doesn't work other times. That's kind of how I feel about it. Uh-huh. Um, but it's definitely different. I prefer to be in the room with with all parties involved. Sure. If, if, if that's it's, possible. Right. I feel like the technology is almost there where it's, where mm-hmm. it's, where y- you kind of, but it's just not, it's not quite there. You know, I feel like, you know, where, where you can grab a guitar and you can really hear what it sounds like, or, you know, just that immediate kind of feedback um, without kind of having to guess, you know, what it's going to sound like once you add it that. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, Sorry, what, what I was gonna say. What's cool about it? Don't the one thing that's cool about it is that you can just like have a session. Like I had a session with a kid who is in Iceland one day. I had a session with uh, some guys who were in uh, Amsterdam one day, and like yeah, so you can just. It's very easy to just collaborate with people around the world, which is you know, that's pretty cool. I would I would rather be in Iceland or be in yeah. <laughs> Amsterdam, but like in the you know for the sake of time and, and energy and all that, it's pretty cool that you can just kind of just tap in and, and get, get a song that way. Sure. Sure. I mean, especially it works, especially well with interviews, you know, interviews, we were just kind of chatting and we got the visual, even then right. I'd prefer to be, you know, in the same room. It's, you know, the energy is a little bit different, but, uh, but yeah, for it's, it's working out for us and it's, you know, yeah. we're, you and me are just a, you know, a couple miles away from each other. So, That's right. <laughs> so maybe yeah. next time we'll do it in person. Um, but uh, Elijah, man, you've you've had some great success already. So congrats, and uh, you're putting out some bangers. Um, so, 
I guess uh, a lot of people would probably uh, like to know, and we like to end our interviews by asking, if you had one piece of advice for aspiring artists, what would it be? Stick with it um, and try everything until you figure out, if you don't know what your thing is or what works for you yet, just try a bunch of different shit and then see what yeah. you like. And then you'll eventually find out what you do best that way and just keep doing it until you see what you want. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's, that's great advice. I mean, it, trying is, it's funny because you, you said try a bunch of different things, you know, and, and I've heard it put different with differently, which is like fail a lot, you know, like, yeah, because if, if you, if you try something and it doesn't work, you, you know, you might perceive it as a failure, but really you were just, you know, you're t testing all the flavors. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard not to be afraid to fail, but yeah, if you, if you think of it that way with that perspective of just like try a bunch of different things, I feel like it takes the weight out of, out of the word fail, you know? Right. Totally.